Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Praise God for the Word. Come on, give God some thanks for the Word this morning. Hallelujah. We're just thankful for Him. We're thankful for His Word. The Bible says the Word is the lamp unto our feet. The Word is the light unto our path. The Word is the medicine to all of our flesh. Lean not unto your own understanding in these times that we're living in. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. And he said, I will direct your path. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. They are not on our own recognizance. They are not on what we think is a good thing. They are ordered by the Lord. How does the Lord order our steps? He orders our steps in his word. The word is nigh us, even in our mouth. The word is what you're meditating on day and night. And the Bible says, then you make your way prosperous, and that's how you have good success. I'm coming from a position this morning. These were songs that um, I selected. I actually scrapped some songs that was in the planning center for us this morning. I says, no, these are the three that the Lord told me all week long. The scripture is the scripture that the Lord gave me. I've preached uh, way too many funerals in the last few weeks. I've been preaching funerals in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've been preaching funerals in New York City. I've been preaching funerals right here in Silver Spring, Maryland. I preached six funerals, and I'm like, what? I'm tired of preaching funerals right now. They weren't COVID-related. Then none of them were COVID-related. But I'm preaching funerals, and God has reminded me of something that some people thought was just a cliche when, me, when I would say, time is flying and people are dying, and it's time to get our house in order. God spoke to a man by the name of Hezekiah. Go ahead and be seated, because I'm already into the preaching right now. God. <laughs> uh, it's just all over me. I got up at 3 o'clock this morning. I couldn't sit still. I walked through my entire house preaching to myself. How many know every now and then you ought to speak to yourself? And I began to start speaking to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I began to listen to people who were praying at about 8.30 this morning and I heard them begin to start talking about praying for change. But how many of you know change, the change, the true change has to begin in the house of the Lord. The true change has to begin in the life of a believer. Change. Come on, somebody say Change. God wants change in your life. And I'm not talking about currency here. You know, every now and then we said, I don't want no change. How many of you have parents have ever given your children some currency and every now and then, you know, they wouldn't bring you nothing back? How many of you know that God has given you life and he's given it to you more abundantly? But there's something that I believe that the Lord is requiring of our lives while we live upon this earth. And I believe that he's asking us, and this is the title of the message this morning, are you, are you living your life to the glory of God? If I were to ask you this morning, go ahead and write down how you've been living your life. And has the way you've been living your life been to the glory of God? Or perhaps have you been like what we were reading from the book of James? Really didn't think that you really needed God. That I can make my plans about tomorrow. I can make my plans about next month. I can make my plans about next year. But I don't necessarily need to include God in these plans. Let me tell you, you got it twisted. The scripture tells us clearly, you've got that twisted. If you think that you can change one iota of what God has for your life. 
You know, I, I, I came out of these six funerals and God says, son, do you realize that there are several people who have busted hell wide open? Yeah. Yeah. The preacher would like to stand and say that those that are laying in a casket are going or have gone on to heaven to be absent from our body. We love to say that scripture, but God is saying, folks, there are more that are missing God than are actually following God. And God is asking me this morning to challenge you to follow hard after God. COVID has given us a real good excuse for not getting up and glorifying God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. As every day God is saying, will you get up and magnify the Lord? Somebody ought to be in your life challenging you every day. Let's magnify the Lord today. Let's not just get up and think that we got ourselves up. Let's not just go and say, I'm working on my to-do list. I think it would be better, the Lord would say, if you would do my will. Jesus showed us in his prayer time that he, the Son of God, would say, Lord, my Father, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, anybody want to do the will of the Lord this morning? Anybody want to magnify the Lord this morning? Anybody want to glorify God in your life? And every day of your life, you live it to the glory of God. So yesterday, I was out there in the midst of uh, helping to put food in people's car. And there was a little girl. I never met her in a day in my life. She was probably around three, maybe four years old. But she wouldn't let me go. And I realized afterward it was a little girl just kind of like what the Bible said. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I mean, her, ma her mom and her daddy was trying to, or her mom and grandmother trying to put her back in the car, and she began to just cry. You ever, ever, ever had a child just begin to cry and start reaching towards you? People are pulling them away, but they're still reaching towards you. And so I had to walk up and I said, let me hold her, Mom. And I had to pray over her. I had to bless her. And then she looked and she smiled. Reached back for her mother and got in the car and drove off. Sometimes the Lord is wanting to use you to bless somebody. So that you might magnify him. She didn't want a popsicle. She didn't want candy. She didn't want anything but that blessing. How many of you know that you are blessed to be a blessing? You must release that blessing on a daily basis. The Lord was reminding me, release some blessings that I bless you with. Amen. Folks, I'm, I'm not talking about material things because that's what the world is focused on. Even when they said, well, we're lifting mandates, most people said the lifting of the mandates is so that I can go do what I want to do. How many of you know that God is warning mandates to be lifted so that you can focus upon the command that he has given us as believers? to take the gospel as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. I was reading, and I, I, I like history. I like various articles that I've read on whether they were in newspapers or books or uh, things that I read uh, just surfing through the Internet. And there was a man back in 1875 by the name of William Ernest Hensley who wrote a poem entitled Invictus. Anybody ever read it? Know about it, Invictus? And Invictus is, in its Latin meaning, is invincible. Invincible. 
This tied me to another article that I have filed away, and it's an article from June 11th, 2001. A man by the name of Timothy McVeigh was executed for his role in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. He took a, a truck, parked it outside of the street of the federal building there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That bomb killed 168 infants, children, and adults that were inside of that building. The 33-year-old McVeigh, at the time of his execution, was still unrepentant. Matter of fact, media was the only people allowed to come in during this execution. And they asked him, as they would do all who are being executed, do you have any final words, any last words? He had none. He had written out a poem based on Invictus, Invincible. He had altered it slightly. And he wanted a copy, and had copies made, and he wanted a copy to be handed out to everybody in the media. And after being pronounced dead, one of the reporters who had this edited form of Invictus read it out, and I'm going to read it out this morning. I'm not glorifying Timothy McVeigh, but I'm probably trying to set a stage that some of us Though we would not want to identify with Timothy McVeigh, maybe living our lives in a way that we think we're invincible. I don't really consult God when I get up in the morning. I don't really talk to God during the course of my day. I don't even include God in any plans that I'm about to make. We would not want to be compared to Timothy McVeigh. But perhaps the mindset and the attitude we might want to check out today. Here's what his version of Invictus would read like, and it goes like this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeoning of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate, and I am the captain of my soul. How many of you know that's so far off from the word of God? There are people still living like, I, I, I control my life. I don't know if you've ever read the scripture saying, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. It starts out by saying, he's the vine. We are the branches. You know, I've got beautiful flowers in my yard. 
And if you look outside there, I take care of those flowers too. But I'm telling you, the flower is not beautiful without the vine. You are not beautiful without Christ. You are not able to accomplish anything apart from him. You are not able to produce something that's beautiful in this life without Jesus. He's the joy. He's the strength of our lives. He's the alpha. He is the omega. It means everything begins with him. It means everything will end with him. It means that if you are living on this earth today and you are between that alpha moment and that omega moment, it's what I see having been to cemeteries and doing interment. It's that dash. You know that little moment in time that, I mean, it's just a little dash on the tombstone. But that's a life. And it's a matter of asking, how did I live that life? How are you living your life right now? How are you living your life right now? Would you really say that over this period of time, I've been living my life in a way that glorifies God? For those who are watching, those who are listening, those who are here present, how are you living your life, and are you living your life to the glory of God? Yeah, as believers, we would never say or admit that we are in any way have a mindset like Timothy McVeigh. But I believe that the scripture that Sister Felicia just read from the book of James addresses attitudes and actions and sayings that speak of this independence of God. My father, if I could say, was his favorite song, and I'm leaning, leaning, Leaning on the everlasting arms. If you'd ask him any song that he wanted to sing, that would be it. I'm leaning. I can remember being at a cookout in my backyard one day. My dad had come up during the time that he was living. <laughs> or living here on earth. He's still living. He's living eternally now. But he said, got all my children here. And at that point in time, there was only nine of us still living. And he said, children, get together and sing a song. Can you imagine being at your cookout? <laughs> you think you got to turn the chicken and the burgers, and dad says, no, we need to glorify God right now. And he began to get us children together. See, sometimes you need to get your children together and just glorify God. Out of all the things that you think are important to be doing at this time or that time, sometimes you just have to stop, grab your children, and say, children, we're just going to glorify God right now. Well, you say, well, Pastor, maybe your family can sing. Look, do just what we did for praise and worship. Get you something pre-recorded, but just glorify God. Let your house be a house where the praises of God are going up. How many of you know the expression said, when the praises go up, the blessings are going to come down. Because what? That's what the Lord says. says your, his praise, the praise of him should be what? Continually in our mouth. Ask yourself what your children have been continually talking about lately. If it's short of Jesus, we may be falling short of the glory, folks. Ask yourself, the last conversation you had your, with your family, what were you talking about? 
Was it a meal? Was it a, a vacation plan? Was it an occupational desire? Was it, what, was it something other than Jesus? Folks, Jesus is not coming back. Nor is heaven rejoicing over the house that you get, the car that you drive, the amount of promotions that you get. Come on, anybody ever read what heaven rejoices over? What is heaven rejoicing over? When one soul comes to the Lord. Is that what you focus on in your life? Making sure that your will is lining up with the will of God. And God's will is that all men might be what? Saved. Are you looking at your coworkers and asking yourself every now and then, I, I, I know Miss Pat, every time we pass an accident, and if it's a serious accident, one of those where you kind of assume a person may not have made it out of this one. One thing I can say about my wife, she immediately started praying, God, if that person is still alive, I pray that their soul would recognize that you are the author, the finisher, that you are the giver of life, and that their life would belong to you. I know that when we pass, I, you know, there's a lady, and I'm sure you have seen her coming to church. You know, after this store closed, ShopRite, this lady started living up under the awnings of the old ShopRite. You see her with a cart. You see her with what looks like all of her life. Many people can pass her by. The other night or evening, my wife was coming in. She said, I just saw a lady. And she said, and I passed. But everything of God said, turn around, pick her up, and take her to where she needs to go. I've had that happen to me several occasions. See, I don't know about you. I don't know what you got your car for. But my car, my vehicle, every time God says I have need of it, I want to be able to say, yes, Lord. Use it in every way, in any way, and for whomever needs a blessing today. Folks, God is trying to get us away from the, the callousness that's coming on our heart where we can pass somebody by, not even pray for them, let alone stop. Where you can see somebody who has slept all night on a hard concrete, and it's okay, you just pass by as long as they don't ask me for nothing. But sometimes I want you to know God's asking you for something. You may think that what you is on your agenda is more important, but it's not more important than what heaven wants. Come on, we can go back to the story of what we call the Good Samaritan. Anybody remember that parable in the Bible? There are people, and I love the fact that God gives us the indication these are people who feel that they are very religious. These are people who feel and would tell you, I'm connected to God. Yet, they were the ones willing to see a man broken, hurt, injured, left for dead. You know how that parable goes. One looked. And decided, no, I don't have time. I got to get the prayer meeting. That, that pastor kind of putting his own twist in there. You understand? There's another who comes by. And he just goes to the other side. No, I don't have time for this. Christians, 
When, when is it in our lives that we don't have time? This is why I said, I'm not trying to develop in this church a happy breakfast club, a happy lunch club, a happy let's go to a Christian play club. I'm not trying to help you to become a solid man, a woman of God, where you are like Jesus Christ. I love what somebody told me the other day. Says I want to be like Christ. Jesus took naps. <laughs> but he did more than just take a nap. He's talking about on the boat when Jesus went to sleep there, for those of you who got lost in that transition. But Jesus stopped when others wouldn't. Jesus laid hands on people that others felt were untouchable and they were not going to get involved. Jesus helped. You know, and, and I'm not trying to glorify Miss Pat. I'm just simply saying that I look at her life and I realize she's glorifying God. Because she said to me, Pastor, have you seen the woman up under the shop right? I said, I've seen her. It was interesting because on four various mornings, the Lord says, go get her breakfast. You know, you can go to McDonald's and get somebody an egg and a cup of coffee and something. You can do something. As a male intersecting with a female, uh, uh, the Lord wasn't saying, pick her up and take her here, take her there. But he was saying, you can feed her today. You know, for $5, you, some of us waste way more than that on foolishness. For $5, you can give somebody a meal in the morning. You don't have to wait for somebody to have a piece of cardboard that said, hungry, homeless, help. You ought to have that in your spirit. You can see the homelessness. You can see the hopelessness. You can see and sense the hunger sometimes. But don't pass by. Don't say, I'm, I, you know, I got to get to 2120 Industrial Parkway. I don't have time to stop today. I got to get to whatever your address is. I can't. Some of you pass people in the rain. and won't stop. You pass people in the cold and won't stop. I remember saying one morning, I was, it was Oh, how many of you remember them cold mornings? I know it's been hot lately. It's going to be hot this week. How many of you can remember some of them bitter cold mornings? And I remember coming in on the what we call the academy side one morning, and people were standing. I think, Kyle, I, I remember you being there that morning. And there were people that were standing out at the bus stop, and it was bitter cold. And the Lord said, are you going to be all right with this? That they, they could come into this building. I know I've got a responsibility to protect the children that are in the building, but you can do that and do that too. We can't be saying, well, I'm afraid to let them in. That's what was a problem with the world in Jesus' day. Remember the lepers? People were okay with saying they're untouchable, unclean, unclean. That's what a leper had to do whenever they were coming to around the crowd of other people. Stupid law. Really stupid law. 
And Jesus was trying to show the stupidity of it. It's a stupid thing if a church just doesn't realize that your doors have to stay open. Your heart has to stay open. Your compassion and bowels of compassion. Yes, God will help you with safety. But God will never, ever let you be okay with not having compassion. Have compassion. We go back to the product, not the prodigal, but the Good Samaritan. You remember how at the end, Jesus says, which one of you, which one of these, of all these characters that came across this man that was hurt, which one of them, them do you think did the will of God? And it's not rocket science. We can figure it out real quick. We can figure out it's the man who stopped, the man who allowed God to alter his plan. Many of us, we still got our plans. And God, you don't have any say in my plan. Because my plan today, my plan tomorrow, my plan this week, my plan for my summer, my plan for the fall. Some of you are already planning your Christmas. Your plan. God said, but have you thought about asking me, what's my plan? You're acting like you're going to live forever. You're asking like that one day God might not say to you, hey, son or daughter, your days are up. What have you done with the days that I gave you? How have you glorified me? How have you magnified me? How have you lifted me up? But God, I was working on Hmm, interesting what you were working on. Working on that so much that you didn't have time to work on what God says is the work of ministry. Let's go. Some of you, at the conclusion of this message, you're going to find yourself guilty as charged. I pray that you'll repent. I pray that you will do what the Bible says that we're supposed to do. We're to go and sin no more. We're to change. Everybody say change. change. Say it again, tra change. change. There's a sister by the name of Tremaine Hawkins. She used to sing a song. Man, I'm taking myself way back to the early 70s. But boy, I could play that song. I was still in the world. But that song would grip me. A change, a wonderful change has come over me. You know, how many of you would consider yourself new creatures? Wave your hands at me. That means that change has come. That means that you're not the same. That means that, Lord, it's not my will. It's your will. Somebody say change has a wonderful change come over you like that. Where whatever you thought you were going to do, look, I told, told you, Pat and I, we were like, my, our thoughts, our friend was here last week from, from Cocoa, Florida. Man, that was our plan too. I like Cocoa. I'm not talking about the drink, it's the name of a city. Cocoa and Cocoa Beach. Man, I like being able to walk out in the back and just pull the orange off the tree, the grapefruit off the tree, the lime, the key lime. 
All those things were nice. I, I, I like the fact that I didn't even have to pull out a winter coat. Our house didn't even have heating unit in it. You just had plenty of air conditioning, though. I like the fact that I could walk out at 3 o'clock and say, Patrick, it's going to rain today. And it rained. And it rained for about 15 minutes, and then it'd be hot as all get out right after that. Everything dropping. I, 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 and, and I said, we're going to Florida. We're going to retire from the United States Air Force where we've served for 20 years, and we're going to Florida. How many of you know every now and then God ain't into where you want to go? God is not into what you want to do. God is not into your plan. Say, not my will. Say it again, not my will. I'm talking to people this morning that I hope want to do the will of God. God is calling for change, 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 change in attitude, change in mindset, change. Let's go back to James chapter 4. I love Asher down there. He said, what does change mean? And that's why you need adults to help children to understand words like this. What's change for them? Change for Asher's sake. It's sometimes Asher, when somebody's talking to you and you don't want to hear what they're saying because you want to do what you want to do. And God is saying, Asher, I just need you to obey your mother. I need you to obey your father. I just need you to obey your grandmother. I need you to obey your aunt. And sometimes Asher's like, I don't want to. And God, God is saying, change. Change. Whatever he says to do, you just do it. That's when you have a change of heart. You have a change of mind. You change a change of attitude. Now, now listen, he says. Look at this verse again. Now listen. You who say today... Or tomorrow. Anybody guilty of that? I, I'm not too concerned about it right now. I, I, I might get to it today or I might get to it to tomorrow. Tell me in here by a show of hands, how many of you own tomorrow? I just want to make sure that you know that you do not own tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we're saying, today or tomorrow, we'll go into this or, uh, or into this or that city. Oh, we'll spend a year there. Look at that. We got our long-term plans, huh? Maybe they're your short-term plan, what you're going to do this year. We'll carry on business. We'll make some money. A lot of people are focused on making money. Please go back to that scripture one more time. We just focus on making money. How many of you know, what is the root of all the evil? People that love money more than they love God. People that will put God to the side because they're in pursuit of money. People who can't even come to church because they're in pursuit of money. I, I would like to challenge people, why are you not at church? Maybe I'm listening or dealing with the listening audience and the viewing audience right now. And I know most people will say COVID. And, and I, I, I tend to challenge you and I come hard I know as a pastor when I challenge you in areas like that because I'm saying I'm not sure I really believe you because I see you going everywhere else I see you going in places that are far more dangerous than going to the house of the Lord 
Now listen. I love how that scripture started out. Now listen. Stop just saying this and that and doing this and doing that without acknowledging God. Stop making all of your what you're going to do, what you're going to make, how profitable you're going to be, who you're going to meet, who you think you're going to meet, who you need to be so-called networking with. I'm telling you the greatest network that you can have to get netted with God. See, the problem with this scripture, verse 13 here, is woven into our heart's fabric is the desire to have full charge. How many of you know you don't want to really have full charge of your own life? Remember how Jesus said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Father, not my will, but your will be done. You don't want, though you think you do, you really do not want to have full charge of your life. In him I live. In him I move. In him. That's how I have my being. It's no longer I, but it's Christ in me. This is the hope of glory. I must decrease. He must increase. That's when you're glorifying God. When the I statements, folks, you can check your own self out by just monitoring how many times you talk about what you're going to do. We call it the me, myself, and I factor. Watch your own verbiage. See how many times you talk about what you're going to do. The I factor, my. You remember I shared back to you years ago, I said, even technology had moved us into an I factor. How many remember we? Now, I grew up and we spell we, W-E. But do you remember how technology told you to spell it? Put a double I in there. Come on, you got your iPhone. You got your iPods. Folks, the world is taking you to the point where it says you can be independent of God. Need an answer? Google. I would say... Not so fast. Need an answer. You remember when you were singing that song, Psalm 34? I sought the Lord, and he answered me. When I needed wisdom, I asked God. Do you know the word says, if any man lack wisdom, do what? Ask God. But we're asking in all the places, the wrong places. We're looking at what the world says is right rather than what the word says is right. And God says, now you're over to that place where he told you not to go. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will direct your path. And the path that is directed by God is a straight and a narrow path. The Timothy McVeigh mindset said, I don't care what God it is. I'm the captain of my own ship. 
Keep on believing that. Keep on living like that. And like the Lord said to me, driving out of New York, son, don't you realize that a lot of people are busting hell wide open? David Jeremiah, a man that I love to hear preach, and I generally hear him early in the mornings on one of the radio broadcasts, and he was talking about this some years ago, and he talked about in James chapter 4, verse 13, he says, the plan was constructed today or tomorrow. Sometimes our plan is about today or tomorrow, and God's plan is, let's do this now. Everybody say now. Change now, not change today or tomorrow. Like the Warners used to sing the song and said, and the people would say, tomorrow. Don't keep putting off and saying, tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do this. Some of you know you need to give your life to Christ, and you are still putting it off and saying, tomorrow. Some of you know you need to make a change today, and you're still saying, tomorrow. And God said, don't keep putting this off. This is not in your hand. The place is chosen. Sometimes we choose places. Like I was mentioning about our life. We're going back to Florida. God says, that's not in my plan. If you want to go to Florida, I'll let you go visit. But where I want you to live, where I want you to do the work of ministry, it's not Florida. See, sometimes we are following people. Sometimes we are following personalities. Sometimes we are following any and all things, but we're not following Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you, follow hard after Jesus. Early in the morning, you rise up and you seek Jesus. Too many people are seen thrown off, lost, misguided, because they were following people, but they weren't following Jesus. You got to follow Jesus. Let him order your steps. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah says this. He says, and the period is calculated. You know, in that scripture, it talks about, I, I, I'll spend a, this amount of time. I'll spend a year there. So a lot of times, we've got things all worked out in our time. And God says, folks, if it hadn't been left to me, I would have closed the church down. When COVID started, I would have just closed down. I mean, you know, I would have been in a lot of good company, so to speak, because a lot of people closed it down. That we're not going to meet. And there are a lot that get on this call with ministry. And there are a lot who said, I don't even want to open back up. How is that going to really line up with the word of God? And says, forsake not the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is, as you see the day approaching. Anybody know what a day is approaching? Folks, I'm supposed to be getting you ready for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be helping you to understand that at any moment, somebody say, any moment now. Any moment. Folks, I, I was preaching the funeral of a little girl that used to be a little girl, and we call her our little girl. I, I, I never would have said in my lifetime that I would be preaching her funeral. I, I would have probably said I would have been old, and I don't know if I would be gray. I'd still probably be bald. But she would probably have been attending my funeral. But here I am preaching her funeral. Somebody say any day. 
You can't live your life as if you have control of tomorrow or you have control of next year or because I'm at 20, I'll probably do something when I'm 50. You may not see 50. Folks, I don't know how it affected you, but it, it stopped me and tears rolled down my eyes. I, I don't want to forget how to cry over what God cries about. When I heard, and just listening to the news, that a six-year-old who hadn't even been able to go to the first grade, looking forward to going to first grade, that just breaks my heart. But six-year-olds are dying. Infants are dying. Teenagers are dying. Those in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, they're dying. God is saying, how does it affect you, though? Is it something that you've become so callous? That, is, that was them. I live in the suburbs. Folks, I'm telling you, same devil. Same devil. Doing the same thing. You can't move far enough. You can't relocate. You can't keep jumping from church to church. Somebody has got to listen. You know what? Look at the first through two words of that verse. Now, listen. Take some action. And take these actions based on the B-I-B-L-E. You don't control this thing. It's not in your hand. They say, well, I, I, I'm purpose. I have a purpose. I've considered the purpose. I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell. God says, please. Please. You're gonna, I'm going to make a profit. What profits a man if he gains the whole world? God's not concerned about that level of profit. He said, I wish above all that you prosper, that you be in good health, but even as your and Some of us are neglecting the soul. We're feeding our flesh. We're feeding our recreational desires. We're feeding on a lot of things. But who's feeding on the word? You remember the song you sang from Psalm 34? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's the one that delivers. And a lot of people are running and saying, I'm going to a deliverance ministry. Folks, that ain't nowhere in the Bible. But if you'll taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll find that he is a deliverer. Amen. Come on, somebody say, he's my, deliverer. he's my deliverer. He's my deliverer, folks. He'll deliver me if I'm in the lion's den. I'm not to run to some place that says it's a deliverance house or a deliverance church. No. God is the deliverer. He delivered men while they were in a fiery furnace. 
He delivered people who were destined for the gallows. He delivers. How many of you know about God? He's the same. And he's going to be that way forevermore. Get your mind back on him. Keep your mind stayed on him. Folks, everybody feel like I'm running to the next best thing because today or tomorrow I need to be doing this. Sometimes you're in your best place if you learn how to be your best you. What's your best you? Acknowledging God. Wherever you are. You know what Paul said? In wherever I'm at, whatever state I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be what? Content. It's all, it, it, you're growing when you learn how to be content. Folks, right in the midst of confusion, you can be Right in the midst of the storm, Jesus was at what? Perfect peace. And he shared it with them. Folks, you just don't know. Peace is right here. Call it. Joy is right here. Call it. Come on. Whatever you need, somebody, you call it. If it's healing, call it. If it's breakthrough, call it. It's right here. He'll answer you. There was a man, I was talking to you earlier about Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah? Get your house in order, you're going to die. Hezekiah knew that the answer was right there. Turned to the wall, cried out to God. Did not God answer him? Folks, I'm just looking for some people who are alive in Christ and realize I can just call him. Somebody say Jesus this morning. Somebody say Jesus this morning like you know him. Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The late Frederick Casey Price wrote a book, a little small, little, what we might call pamphlet. And it was called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. A lot of people live so presumptuously. They live not by faith, and yet God says, walk by faith and what? Not by sight. Walk, if you're walking the walk of God, you're walking the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And people who are walking by faith are walking based on the word. People who are walking by emotions are based on somebody else's word. Somebody else's so-called charisma. But when you're walking by the word of God, you are not moving. Until the word says it. Until the scriptures, the B-I-B-L-E, spells it out and settles it in your heart. Whether you are going to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, well, this is your reasonable service. God is not concerned about your preference. Folks, I'm telling you, I preferred Florida over Maryland. God said, I'm not concerned about that, son, because I can supply all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus right here in Maryland. If God wanted me in Virginia, he could have put me in Virginia. If God wanted me back in South Carolina, he could have put me back in South Carolina. But that's not the issue. The issue is, whatever he says to me to do, am I going to do it? Or am I just going to keep leaning to my own understanding, making my own plan, doing what I think I ought to do in my little plan? Proverbs 27, 1. Let's just write it through some few scriptures that I know I've got to give you before I finish this message up. And give me just about 20 minutes. I'm going to finish this thing up. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. 
Come on, somebody read it out for me. Out loud, everyone, it's on the screen. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Isn't that good? Do not, go back, you got you to say with me. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You can't get your mind so focused about what you're going to be doing tomorrow, what you're going to be doing in August, what you're going to be doing in 2022. God said, there's enough for you to take care of just today. If you'll hear his voice and don't harden your heart, God's got something for you to do today. Come on, lift your hand and say, here am I, Lord God. Whatever you have for me today, I will do your will today. I don't know about you, but there's nowhere in the Bible where God has promised me tomorrow. He's promised me eternal life. But he's not promised me tomorrow on this earth. Folks, I can lay my head down and not wake up tomorrow. That's why I love it. I, you know, back in the day, I would think the old saints didn't have it. I didn't think they understood what they were talking about. I didn't think my father really knew what he was talking about. My mother knew what they were talking about. Because they would always say, if the Lord wills, I'll see you tomorrow. If the Lord's willing. If the Lord's willing. And so we have kind of talking about, we're some faith people. We come to this. And, and yet, it's right there in the Bible. If the Lord's willing, I will. Folks, it's about what the Lord wills. Not what I will. That's what Jesus was trying to show you. Not my will, but your will. It's every now and then we think it's old stuff. We think the old saints don't know what they're talking about. We want something new. Give me some smoke. Give me some light. God said, I don't care nothing about your smoke or your lights. I don't care about the mood you're trying to set. I'm concerned about the change in your heart. This is why I believe in the last day there are going to be a lot of people that are truly, as the Bible says, going to be saying, Lord, Lord, did not. And God's going to say, yeah, that was the problem. It's I. It was never the Lord. It was never the Lord. It was just I. It was my preference. And God doesn't care about your preference. God is concerned about your presence. When he called, are you present? When he's speaking, are you giving him your undivided attention? Do you know it was God who, who, who in the 23rd Psalm said, yes, sometimes you're going to be walking through the valley in the shadow of death. How many of you like to take strolls through the graveyard? But the Lord said, sometimes I'm going to take you through the valley I'm going to take you through places that are shadows. But he said, I'm going to take you because where I'm taking you is to green pastures. I'm taking you to a place of peace, but we might have to go through some stuff. How many of you realize in the last two years we've been through some stuff? But the Lord has been with us. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That's why he says, fear not. 
I'm with you. I'm so glad God is with me. Anybody know that God's with you? Get up off your feet and just give him a hand. Praise. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Take a moment and just give God praise because he's been with you. He's been with you through the fire. He's been through with you through the flood. He's been through and with you through COVID. God has been with you. God is with you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Sit back down for just a moment. This man in the Bible called Job. Anybody know and ever heard about Job? Hallelujah. Man, Job talked some stuff in there. We understand that some of the things that were happening with Job is because Job wasn't always in alignment with what God wanted him to be. But I love what Job was discovering through that valley that he was going through. Come on, I don't know about you. I haven't lost everything. But Job did. Job lost all his livestock. Job lost all of his, his money. Job lost all of his children. Job had lost everything. But Job was not lost when it came to talking with God. His wife got totally disconnected and said to her husband, why don't you just curse God and die? Talk about encouragement. You better be fitly joined in the body of Christ. You, you better make sure that you're yoked to the right person because sometimes when you're not yoked to the right person, they will give you some, whew, some advice that is just jacked up. So look at what Job says now. Job chapter 8 verse 9. Just write these scriptures down. They're going to put them on the screen for you. You just write them down. We don't have time for you to, to wait for you to turn to them. Look at it. It says, for we were born only yesterday and you read it come on read it with me and wait a minute stop you all didn't want to read that part you didn't want to read that part let's start at the beginning for we were born only yesterday and know nothing in our days on earth I don't care how long you told me you know Christ. God said, in his eyes, you were just born yesterday, and you know nothing. This is why you've got to stay in a place where you are keeping your face and your ears attentive to what thus saith the Lord. I've been a Christian for You know nothing. Morning by morning, God says, I got something new. I've got new mercy. Oh, I've seen that. I've been there. I've done that. No, you haven't. Now, I'll say this according to the book of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun, but there are things you have not yet discovered. And God says, I'm going to help you discover things that you don't know. How many of you realize that your parents realize that when you get to a certain age, teenagers especially, you think you know everything? You don't want to hear dad. You don't want to hear mom. And sometimes it's starting now way younger. Well, they, 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 they know everything. Mom, you too old-fashioned. Dad, you too old-fashioned. Then they even bring that old mess up into the church. Pastor, you too old-fashioned. 
God saying, you were just born yesterday. You were just born yesterday. And you don't know enough to think that you can be independent. You don't know enough. God is trying to get you to get your dependency back on him. Well, you don't lean to your own understanding. You're acknowledging God in all your ways, and God is directing your path. Job takes a little bit further down there. In, in, in Job chapter 9, look at verses 25 and 26. We're in Job 8. We're going to go to Job 9. Job had a lot of wisdom that he, he imparted to the body of Christ. Look at this. Let's read it with me. My days are swifter than a runner. Come on, I don't know about you. When I get up early in the morning, there are a lot of people out now running. Some of them are walking. Some are eating a donut while they're walking. Like, man, that ain't helping them. <laughs> but he said, my days are swifter than a runner. Come on, I'm talking about people that run. There's a young girl that was working in the pantry with us over the last couple of years, and she's in the Olympics now. Running over there in Japan right now. Running. People are looking to break records. But God said, look, your days are swifter than that. I don't care what records may be shattered or broken. God said, your days are swifter than that. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Folks, I'm telling you, this is why God is saying, you better learn that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know about you, but I grew up in an era when I was a child. I thought, oh, I just can't wait. I just can't wait till I get old. How many of you thought the school year was way too long? And the summers were way too short. <laughs> How many of you realize when you got older, it's just like me, I'm saying, didn't we just have an anniversary last year? How did it come so quickly? Oh, my. I, I, folks, I don't know about you. I'm already saying July is over. Kids, I don't know if, if you know it. School is right around the corner. Look at your children and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Little T.D. Jakes there, but get ready. And I'm saying to you as a child of God, get ready. These days are moving quickly. The years are going by really fast. The days, the months are going by really fast. And God said, my days are swifter than a runner. They're flying away. Time is flying. People are dying. It's time to get your life right with God. Let's go to the next verse there. In that same chapter, verse 26. Say it with me. They skim past like boats of papyrus. Like eagles swooping down. On their prey. I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle when he got his target on his prey. I mean, when that eagle gets into a sore, I mean, it's like swoop, swap up. The Bible says it like this in another way in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. How fast does it take you to blink your eye? It's so fast that you don't even become conscious of it. Now, you might be a little subconscious about it now since I mentioned it, but don't even think about it because it's just that quick. Let's go to the 14th chapter of Job. Job had a lot of wisdom for us concerning the swiftness of the days and that you are not in control of it. I'm not in control of it. 
We are not in control of it. God is in control of this. So when we get over to Job chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 1 through 2. Amen? You got me there, Amy? Going over to Job chapter 14. If we're not there, I'll read. Man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and he fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Take it back up to verse 1. Let's read it from that translation. I read it from a King James, New King James. Mortal, born of woman, are a few days and full of trouble. How many of you realize that you thought when you got saved that all the troubles would be over? <laughs> Folks, that's when the trouble started because the devil is trying to pull you back out into the world. That's the reason why you have the troubles is because the Bible says when God has cleaned up the house, the devil comes back trying to get back in the house. And he brings seven worse than himself to try to get back in your house. How can you, can you imagine that? One, one, one crook came to your door and you got rid of that crook, but that crook came back with seven more. So sometimes, but how many of you know he delivers us out of them all? Come on, that's the joy. Come on, let's clap your hand. That's where the joy is because God will deliver you out of it all. So I'm not going to ever be a preacher that tells you life, once you get saved, is going to be a bed of roses. No, it won't. Just won't. Because if you've been living, <laughs> you realize if I said that, you say, Pastor Lyon, because my life has not. Some of you have gone through some health challenges that should have killed you. But God, Delivered you. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Some of you, they, the, the, the doctor said, your child is not going to make it. Some doctor said, abort. For, for the sake of your own life, it's better for you to abort this child. But you had a word from the Lord, and the word from the Lord said, she shall live and not die and glorify God. lives are designed to glorify God. You were created to glorify God. You were created to praise him. You were created to raise his name up. Your children and all your children's children are raised for that same purpose. Psalm 39. Psalm 39. Get right there for me if you can, Amy. Psalm 39. We're looking at verses 4 through 5 in Psalm 39 here now. Psalm 39. Read with me. Read. Come on, everyone, please. Show me, Lord, my life, and let the number of my days, let me know how fleeting my life is. So God is saying, this time that you have in this little earthly suit is short. This time that you have in this little earthly suit is short. But mortality must put on immortality, and there is an eternity that you and I will have with God. But while you're here in this thing called flesh and blood, God says it was designed so that you might use every day 
to glorify God. That you might use every breath to glorify God. So show me, Lord. If I've gotten so distracted, I need you to open my eyes. Remember singing a song this morning? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Because I want to now be able to what? See you, Jesus. And there's a lot of things in this world that you can get your eyes on. And they are intended so that you get your eyes off of God. How many of you know the Bible says even the devil can present himself like an angel of light trying to get you to look at all of the glitter so that you'll never look at God. Look to him, folks. He is the author. He's the finisher of our faith. So show me, Lord, my life and the number of my days and let me know how fleeting my life is. When the Lord begins to let you know you're wasting time in pursuit of lesser things and that you need to lay aside every weight and every sin that is besetting you so that you can run the race that is set before you. Are you with me, church? Look at verse 5 of the same text of Psalm 39. Let's read this together in verse 5. Read with me. You have made my days. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Even those who seem secure. It's quick. It's quicker than you think. Folks, I can remember looking at older men in the congregation and saying, my, they've got a distinguished gray beard. And one day I looked in the mirror. I can remember saying, hmm, he's balding on top. And then one day, looking backwards in the mirror, oh, Lord, so am I. Some of you, sometimes if you just look back and go back and grab a photograph, we get an old video, and you go, I was laughing, you know, though they didn't do the fullness of that presentation on Sunday. Man, I was looking back. 25 years ago, they had a picture of us starting 25 years ago. I said, boy, man, pastor had a fro back in the day. My stride was probably a lot stronger. I realized, folks, that time is passing. I still go, Miss Pat still go, but we also know we are focusing on getting the work done while it is still light. Because a day is coming, the Bible declares that it's so dark that nobody's going to be able to do any work. I'm just focused on doing my Father's will. I'm just focused. God had to settle with me. He said, son, don't worry about people who come and go. Because if you do that, you'll focus on men pleasing. I need you to just stay focused on God pleasing. Folks, how many of you know people come and go out of your life? I, I like the statistic. Barner Group does this statistic. He says, even when you go back to your high school days, he says, for men, you will probably keep up with less than three people from your high school. Men. He says, ladies, I don't know what it is about you ladies, y'all socialize. He says, but you will keep up with just less than ten. No more than 10, 10 or less. 
But how many of you know you thought you were a little social butterfly when you were in high school? Everybody know me. I, I'm so popular. People say I'm popular. People say I'm the most popular. Everybody signed my yearbook. People don't even know you. After 10 years. After 10 years, men, you are in contact with less than three of those people in high school. Women, you're in contact with less than 10. And some of you know that number is lower for you. Now, every now and then you will find one of those people that just tries to keep up with everybody, even when they don't want you to keep up with them. And why are they Facebooking me talking about, can you be my friend? Who is this? And everybody that says you're, they're your friend, you all, I think you've grown mature enough to realize everybody that says they're, they're your friend, ain't necessarily so. God wants you to understand, you've got a friend that will sit closer than a friend, and his name is Jesus. Psalm 103, let's go there quickly, Amy. Oh, I've run out of time, but I'm, I'm going to do this. Psalm 103, verses 15 through 16. You with me? Psalm 103, verse 15. Read it out loud. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. Verse 16. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place... How many of you remember that when the spring started, your grass was so lush and green? Now some of y'all looking out and saying, I wonder if it's going to survive. Is this as brown? Just as dry? And God said, that's how your life. Come on, how, how many of you, when you look back and I start talking about things like high school and you go, whoa, man, wow. That was just for a moment. How many of you have been out of high school more than five years? Raise your hand. And trying to take you back there is like, whoa, that seemed like a lifetime. But it was just a moment. It was just a moment. And God said, you've got to be focused on what God is focusing on with your life. Life has uncertainty. Life has complexity. But life has brevity. I remember the first time I was going to have to give a briefing in the Air Force, and, and they said, well, you, one of the things that we want you to learn is ABC. I thought, I don't know my alphabet, ABC. And they say, accuracy, brevity, and clarity. Accuracy, brevity, clarity. And folks, that's what it is with the Word of God. You need to be accurate with what you're saying from the Word of God. God said, don't add anything to his word. Don't subtract anything from his word. Be accurate. Be accurate. But you don't have to preach for days and days and days. It can be very brief. But it has to be very clear. And this is why yesterday I was telling a young man, I said, and he's talking about dreams and vision. And I said, look, just start writing them down. Because the Bible says, whenever God gives you a vision of something, write it down. Write it down so it becomes clear to you. Write it down so that it can be clear when you try to articulate it to someone else. See, the essence of when you hear a minister like myself or anybody else preach to you, go back and write it down. 
Ask yourself, what did I hear the man of God or woman of God say? And if you didn't really understand it, then it's your responsibility to go back and make connection with the man or woman of God and say, I didn't really get that. That wasn't clear. And I guarantee you, in a sitting, a one-on-one, they'll break it down even further so that you can run with this. Folks, the whole key about ministry is that not that you came to church and not that your name is on the, the roll, not that you have a place to be buried when you die, not that you have a place to get married when you feel like you found your significant other. It's so that you can run with the things of God. And the Bible says you will be able to walk and you won't be weary in this. You, you'll be able to, to run and, and you won't faint. You won't give out. You won't stop. You'll be a person that presses to the very end. I mean, you know nobody remembers the people who run the race unless they win the race. Say we win. Say it again. We win. we win. Say it one more time. We win. We win. we win. we win because we complete the race. Nobody cares about how fast somebody starts out. Do you notice that there are times where runners start out and they're ahead of the whole bunch? But it's the one who's endures. You remember what Paul said to this young spiritual son, Timothy? He says, Timothy, I want to teach you how to endure hardness. Those of you who perhaps participated in track and field in your school, if you had a good track coach, the track coach would tell you, I want you to learn how to pace yourself. Because when you start to get to the finish line, I am going to ask you to kick. Anybody ever heard those terminology? I'm going to ask you to kick. In other words, he said, you're going to have something in the reserve that you're going to have to draw upon. And you're going to now pick up the pace. And folks, I'm saying to you, I believe that we are in that time right now where the Spirit of God is saying to the church, let's kick. Let's pull upon that reserve. Let's pull upon the Holy Ghost. Let's pull upon what God has deposited in you. And let's run this race. And when you start doing this, your whole focus is not about your will anymore. It's about God's will. How many of you realize that Jesus pulled on some of that reserve? How many of you know that Jesus dropped to his knees carrying the cross? Thank God he was showing us there are other people that are supposed to come alongside of you when you feel like you are not going to get there. But Jesus said, we're going to get there. I mean, says, look at your neighbor and say, we will get there. I love when I'm hearing and listening to Martin Luther King. He said, I may not get there with you, but we will. We, somebody say, we will. We will, we will get there. God has promised, and he's not slack concerning his promise. We will get there, church. We will get there. We shall overcome. And how does the Bible say we overcome? The Bible says you overcome by what? 
testifying of what God has testified to you and the blood that you know that he shed on Calvary. I'll finish this up next week. I thought I could finish it today. But it's very important for you to go home today and ask yourself, am I living in a way that glorifies God? Some of you know that there's stuff that you just got to stop doing. Some of you are bouncing back and letting people bounce back into your life that you know they're going to pull you into the depths of hell. You know what my mama used to say? If you lay down with dogs, don't be surprised when you get up with fleas. And I used to think, you know, as children, we think, well, that's stupid. What was that about? But then when you get older, you realize, it wasn't so stupid after all, was it? And one expression my mama used to say, I heard my sister say it when she preached her trial sermon. And she was speaking mostly from a female perspective. She said, why is the guy going to ever buy the cow when you keep giving him the milk for free? I won't break that one down too far. But it's talking about living a chaste and a disciplined life. When you're out here allowing people to tell you, I love you, baby, 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 I love you. And you, girls, I'm going to say this because I've been saying it for over two decades now. Men will tell you that they love you for sex. And women... You sometimes are giving sex because you are seeking love. But God is saying, here's the thing. Follow God. God will bring the right person. Some of you got too anxious. You know the word says, what God has put together. Now here, I'm a practical pastor. I realize when I'm talking to some of you all, God did not put y'all together. You did that. You decided that you didn't need God. He was fine. He had them washboard abs. Now he got that pot belly. And, and you just decided, I want him. Ladies, you decided, I want him. Men, you decided, I wanted her. And then when you got her, it's like, can I give her back? Well, if I can't give her back, I'm just going to leave. And maybe my wife won't know it. I'm going to just slip out. This is why the Bible says God is trying to get us to a place where we don't do things independently. Some of you got jobs. That, that wasn't a job for you. That wasn't what God had for your life. Some of you got housing <laughs> that you're like, man, what about this? You bought it. You didn't ever, ever ask God, what do you want me to do with this? Many of you have heard me say, anything that you get will get you if you're not careful. When you get your car, your car gets you because it says, wash me. Change oil on me. Give me some gas. You see that little light? It is not a submarine. I saw a commercial on a little check engine light. He said, oh, it looks submarine. That's not a submarine. That's telling you, 
you're about to take a deep dive unless you do something. Your house, as much as you wanted that house, your house got you. Your house says, clean me. Oh, Lord, I'm tired of polishing stuff. Sweeping stuff, vacuuming stuff, polish, floors polished. Oh, look at this pretty shiny stove. Man, every, every little fingerprint, polish me. And sometimes we just get to the point that I'm tired of doing that. And the more you get, the more it requires. How many of you know the Bible says to whom much is given? Be so kind, if you would, to just bow your heads. And ask yourself, this is a rhetorical question. This is not requiring any verbal response back to me, but it requires that quiet, still voice that you will speak to God right now. And that is whether or not you're living your life in a way that glorifies God. Or have you done what James showed us? You've made your plan. You've talked about what you're going to do today, what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to do in a year, how much profit you're going to make. Some of you have made your plans all around your children, all around your grandchildren, but you've not really made your plans around what God wants. Some of you have made your plan around denomination, but you've not made your plans around what is God requiring of me. And I'm asking you to challenge yourself this morning. First, for those who don't know Christ, you already know you don't know him, so therefore you cannot be doing his will. You will never be able to do the will of God until you come to God. And there's no way to come to God except through his son, Jesus. And perhaps you have already come to Jesus. But somehow, the pace that Jesus was going, you didn't keep the pace. You got distracted along the way. Whatever that may have been, you took your eyes off. And like the Bible shows us about a man named Peter, whom, yes, Jesus said to him, come out here on the water. And he did. And he began to walk on that water. But the Bible says about Peter, a storm came. Let me tell you, every time you hear the word, the Bible says the devil is there to snatch it from you immediately. Those are the storms. Those are the things that he's trying to do to distract you. I, I, you know, you... you, you those of you who have lived in cities most of your life, you realize that when people are trying to con you or people are trying to distract you, there's somebody else trying to snatch something from it. I, I, I watch that with purse snatching. Generally, somebody walks up to the person, pickpockets, they do that. Somebody walks up to the person, get them distracted because they're getting ready to fleece them. They're getting ready to steal from them. That's all the devil is wanting to do with your life is to steal, to kill, to destroy. But he said, Jesus has come that you might have what? Life. That you might have it what? More abundantly. You can have an abundance life with Christ. And even though you might start the race and you had started the race and you were running and you were running well, somehow you got distracted. Today is the day for your turnaround. 
Today is your day to get your eyes and your mind, as the Bible says, stayed on him. And when you get your eyes and your mind stayed on Jesus, he says, and I'll keep you in what? Perfect peace. How do I get my mind stayed on Jesus? The Bible says, you need to meditate in his word day and night. You'll make your way prosperous, he said. You'll have good success. Can you do it alone? Generally, no. Even Adam couldn't do it alone. And God noticed that. This is why you need a church. This is why you need a fellowship. This is why you need a pastor in your life. This is why you need other congregants and members in your life. So that we can run this journey and finish. No man is a bone alone. No pastor. We were talking and celebrating the anniversary. No need to celebrate an anniversary. The only person that you want to glorify is the pastor. Pastors didn't make it all happen. It takes a whole community. It takes a whole village. Took every child, took every adult, took every nation, every kindred, every tongue to make it successfully for 25 years. And if you're going to make it to the place that God really wants us, eternity, you're going to need other in the body of Christ to walk along with you. Why it's so important when you come to church, don't just disconnect from the people so quickly. Take some time. Let some people know you and get to know some people. Will you know all of the people in the church? No, you won't. I don't either. But there are time, times that you must get to know some. And I believe it's like Jesus. It's about 12 people, sometimes 11, that you walk together with, you eat together with, you fellowship together with, but you realize, though I might be the hand, I cannot say to the arm, I don't have any need of you. I may be the feet, but I cannot say to another part of my anatomy, I don't have any need of you. Everybody say, we need each other. Say it again, we need each other. <laughs> A modern day artist whose name is Hezekiah as well, Hezekiah Walker says, I need you to survive. It's important for us to need, realize you come to Jesus, Jesus puts you into a family, and that family will help you grow. There's somebody that needs to receive Jesus Christ. I just can't move from it. I'm trying to move from it. But there's somebody who's sitting in here today, and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, and today is your day. This is your day of joy. If that's you, I, all I want you to do is to slip your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands up and say, that's me. I have not received Jesus Christ, but I want to. And if that's you today, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be somebody in the viewing audience, in the listening audience, that's you. Wherever you are, whether you're in your home, you're in the home of someone else, you're in your car listening to this message, just take a moment and say, Jesus, come into my heart, come in my life. I will stop trying to be the independent one. I need you. I need you. I need you. And the Bible says he will answer that prayer. Whosoever will, yes, he says, come to the invitation, but he comes into your life. And your life from that point on, he says, is described as being a new creature. The old things that you did, used to do, the old ways of thinking, he's going to help you to renew that. Look, that record is going to play again. 
but God's going to help you to get a new song. God's going to help you to get new mercy and see new mercy in your life. And you're going to start looking at things from heaven's windows and not from this earth. So, Father, I thank you for those who have heard your word, those who will take heed to that word and be doers of it. I thank you, Father, for causing each one of us all through this day and all through this week to be focused on living our lives in a manner that glorifies God. And Lord, if it be your will, we'll come back to this same place at the same scheduled time and we'll hear the conclusion of this matter of living our lives in a manner that glorifies God. If you don't have a church home, I need to say this. This is a great place where you can grow. This is a great place where you can get to know Jesus Christ. I want you to come. Some people have asked, Pastor, are you still baptizing people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I believe that there are some of you, you're so new to your walk in Christ that you've never been baptized. I need you to call our office this week and schedule that baptism date with us. Amen? We need to get this done and probably need to get it done right away. Why? Because time flying and people are dying and we need to be getting this right with Jesus everyone stand if it's God's put in your heart to give to this ministry to bring your tithes to bring your offering I ask you to simply prepare that before you exit place it into the offering containers that the ushers will have at each one of the exit doors for those you are at home from my website you can go and find and push on the button in terms of how to give electronically and many of you are already doing that and we thank you and I pray that God will give you the corresponding return on your giving he tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive and I thank you that when you give it shall be given back to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over the Bible says it shall mean give unto your bosom but one of the things don't think that your hand got you the wealth and therefore I'll just keep it for myself no, God bless you. If you got a job, God bless you. If you got a source of income, God made it possible. And God says, but will you give me just a portion of what I've given you back? And he calls it tithes, calls it offerings. What is a tithe? The word itself is the definition. It's a tenth of what God has blessed you with. A tenth? Yes, that's all. He says, I'm going to leave the other 90% with you. But I hope that the 90% you'll use it to glorify me too. So we thank God. And we thank him for keeping on blessing us. And surrounding us with his favor like a shield. I will say to you in relationship to what I'm sure you've been hearing from the CDC and other uh, medical authorities and don't get into fear about a variant. God has not changed. And though things are changing and other things are happening, you stay in faith. You stay in faith. And keep walking by faith and not by sight. Don't let fear fill your heart. Let faith fill your heart. Let the word be nigh you. And the Bible says, even in your mouth. So keep speaking what God says. 
The Bible says even sometimes when you're speaking, you're literally calling things that be not as though they were. That's what you need to be speaking. Speak life. Don't speak death. Speak life over yourself. Speak to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make a melody in your heart to the Lord. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stay strong, church. Stay strong in your home. Stay strong on your job. Stay strong, young people, in your school. I know that you think that the world has said you can't pray in school, but that's never been true. Nobody can stop you from walking down the halls and praying. Nobody can stop you. Look, I like what somebody said. As long as there is math tests, there'll be kids praying. <laughs> so keep praying, young people. Keep living for Jesus. Now unto him that is able to keep you and to present you faultless before the throne of his grace. The one who was and is and is to come. To him, the wise living God, may we give our lives in a manner that glorifies him, that glorifies him, that glorifies him. And his kingdom come and his will be done for all of you. In Jesus' name, God's people shout it. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.